Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon. You know, I've said before, I kind of think of myself as a little bit of a loudmouth blowhard. I don't believe you could do a job like this unless you had some of those tendencies. It's like the kind of thing you sort of read in the job description. And so when you're kind of loudmouth guy, you know, like speaking to a microphone, you're just giving a lot of opinions, right? And anybody who just sort of like just sort of freely fires off the opinions one right after the other you're gonna get some right you're gonna get some wrong and if you want to make a list of all the stuff i've gotten wrong you could do that until the cows came home and you would certainly have plenty to keep you busy but one thing earlier this year that we absolutely got right we told you this was coming and it has absolutely played out in exactly the manner we said that it would that Georgia, after it beat Oregon to begin the season, got lots of attention. And what we said on the show was some of that was because, hey, Georgia legitimately had a very good performance. But what we also said is some of the attention that Georgia was getting through one or two weeks of the season was also kind of related to the fact that other teams that we kind of think of as the national contenders, they hadn't really asserted themselves yet because there was a pretty large pocket of Georgia fans I don't know if it was the majority or not but certainly we hear from hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of Georgia fans each week and a a pretty significant pocket of those Georgia fans they were kind of telling us hey you know Georgia's getting too much attention Georgia's getting too much praise too many pats on the back remember Georgia didn't start the year at number one but it pretty quickly moved to, to number one and some people thought the praise that Georgia was getting was kind of veering beyond just what we think of as due compliments or justified praise and it kind of moved towards the direction of being hype and hype sort of to a lot of people doesn't really feel like a good thing and the people were saying oh Georgia getting too much hype right now that doesn't really feel like a very good thing and so what we came on the air and said is there is nothing to be worried about here because part of what Georgia is getting right now is not just because people are so enamored with how good Georgia is as the defending national champions. Some of this is related to the fact that Alabama didn't play particularly well week two when it went to Texas. Ohio State didn't play particularly well in week one when it got a win against Notre Dame, but not all that impressive fashion. And long list of so-called national championship contenders it kind of took a few of them a little longer to assert themselves in the season than it took Georgia. And what we said was eventually somebody else is going to play well. And at that point in time, they'll kind of be the flavor of the week. And at that point, you'll see less attention being paid to Georgia. Well, lo and behold, that is definitely true right now. Georgia is ranked number one. But if you watch a lot of the national shows or if you listen to a lot of the nationally minded podcasts, you know, hear a lot of chatter about UGA, social media, even if you're kind of following the trends there on a Saturday, people are kind of more fixated on other things than UGA right now, especially Tennessee right now, coming off the heels of that win against Alabama. That's dominating the conversation. Georgia right now is kind of not. And what we said was, this is what's going to happen. And over the course of the last few weeks, that is exactly what has happened. However, other people kind of outside the bubble of dog nation who are not just watching george as closely as we all are but watching everything as closely as they possibly can this has led them to make a very interesting observation about where things stand with george at the moment you know the espn tv crew got together the other day as kind of a precursor to the college football playoff rankings we have the first playoff rankings coming out in a couple of weeks this is kind of the format of that tv show without the actual rankings to get to 
And I'm going to play this audio clip for you. This is Reese Davis setting up Kirk Herbstreit about the lack of attention that Georgia's currently getting and what Herbstreit says, the way that might be viewed within the Georgia program right now, specifically with Georgia coach Kirby Smart. I think this is pretty interesting. Uh, Herbstreit kind of framing this as the media kind of helping Kirby Smart do his job right now. I think you'll like this. Reese Davis, Kirby, uh, Kirk Herbstreit from this week on ESPN. Georgia is probably the most overlooked, forgotten, underappreciated number one team in the history of any first half of the season in college football. Kirby has to just be sitting here so appreciative and thankful to people like us that nobody is talking about his squadron. It's exactly the way you want it. There's a reason you don't see teams repeat. It's because it's not only hard to do, it's hard to keep your edge after you roll around in that confetti and you climb to the top of that mountain the year before. It's just human nature to lose that that edge that when they were trying to get there last year to prove everybody wrong, when everybody believes in them. And that and we all of a sudden we get into the season and Tennessee's everybody's talking about, a lot of people talking about Alabama before last week, a lot of people talking about Ohio State. Nobody's talking about Georgia. It could not have worked out any better. And if it may not, you may not like it if you're a Georgia fan right now, but um, I would be very happy with it. So that's Kirk Herbstreit there. And listen, I have to admit, I find what Herbstreit says very interesting. Herbstreit's one of these voices that whenever he weighs in having a topic, it's going to kind of have a little bit of interest in it just because he's been kind of the longest reigning voice kind of at the top of this sport. So we kind of get why all of that matters with him. But I have to admit, I don't really agree with the premise of what Herbstreet's saying there. Herbstreet says that if you want to go back and look at every year since 2012, that was the last time we had a repeat national champion. And every year since 2012, the reason why we didn't have a repeat champion is because the team that was trying to repeat lost its edge. That's kind of what he says there and kind of a little bit of a knee-jerk spot. I'm not quite so sure I'd agree with that. And like, like, here's the comparison I would sort of make on this. Like when I was a kid... There was this thing called the Sports Illustrated Jinx. Are y'all old enough to remember this? Like back in a day in which Sports Illustrated was a really big deal. And who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated was a really big deal. Sports Illustrated came out every week and they sort of chose whatever the hot story was. And that person got the cover of Sports Illustrated. And oftentimes it's sort of the person you expected to be, Michael Jordan. But sometimes it'd be sort of a new face on there. And this person's now risen to the level of being on the cover of Sports Illustrated. But then lo and behold, seemingly after being on the cover of Sports Illustrated, something bad would happen to them. There was almost the same version of this probably like 20 years later, maybe 15 years later, when the Madden video game first got popular and whoever had a good enough season one year to be on the cover of Madden for the following year. And yet in that year in which their face was on the cover of the Madden video game, back when the game was a cartridge that you bought in stores, uh, all, all of a sudden now that person's now having a bad year and now there was a Madden jinx. So we've had the Sports Illustrated jinx and the Madden jinx. And I've always been the believer that that people think this is somehow some sort of sorcery or some sort of bad luck. But in my mind, I've always just believed that success is just really hard to replicate in sports, that it's not about, oh, I'm on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Now I'm jinxed or I'm on the cover of Madden. Now I'm jinxed. It's once you have a career moment coming back and topping that again, it's just really hard to do. And once you have a career year in the NFL, it's just really hard to come back and do that again in another year. The year after having great success, having more great success, only a small group of people are ever going to be able to achieve that. And you better believe to me that college football works very much the same way. 
when you've got something where it's the best of the best, the smartest coaches, the best athletes as players, and all of that, when the nature of the competition is so intense, the reason why a national champion in one year doesn't come back and win it the next year is not because they lost their edge, they're no longer motivated. Uh, Of course you're motivated to achieve. It's just really hard to achieve. And so when you think about the missing piece for Georgia, if there is one, there may not be. Georgia may actually repeat as national champions. It's not quite so... Uh, you know, sure one way or another how that's going to play out. But if Georgia were to fall short of winning this year's national championship, to me, oh, they lost their edge or, oh, they don't have enough motivation or, oh, they got too much rat poison. To me, all of those things are nowhere near as consequential as other factors are going to be in determining how this plays out. In other words, that the story for Georgia is not finding more motivation. I don't think you can motivate your way to being the best team in college football. I think the story for Georgia is how you play your way towards all of that. Can you replicate the on-field success that Georgia had a year ago? And so that's kind of what's going on right now. I do believe that Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreit are right when they say that people aren't really talking about Georgia very much right now. I think that's probably correct. But I think it's fair to wonder Well, if people really were talking more about Georgia, if they really were fixating more about exactly what's going on with Georgia, if the national media really did drill down as hard on UGA as we do on this show each and every day, what would they be saying? Well, it might not always be quite as complimentary as you might think. I thought it was very interesting, the same TV show that uh, even though Georgia's ranked number one, and obviously, I, I think justifiably so at number one, I believe that on composite georgia has been the most impressive team in the country here this year there's at least one aspect that maybe one of the all-time greats in this program thinks that georgia still has plenty of room to improve following up on what kirk herbstreet just said there on espn tv this week david pollock kind of jumped in and david pollock says right now there is one area on this current team that he still sees as lacking compared to where georgia was a year ago and i think it's worth taking pollock's words really really seriously on this let's listen to david they're significantly worse on defense, and I don't care what the numbers say. I, I just talk about you had a once-in-a-generational type. I mean, best I've ever seen when I've been doing this, front seven. And Jordan Davis isn't there anymore. Um, Devontae Wyatt isn't there anymore. The, you know, uh, Trayvon Walker isn't there anymore. They don't get as many tackle for a losses near the line of scrimmage. They're not as good getting off blocks, making plays, making things harder for offenses. And, and I think we'll see that down the road. I don't think they'll be as bad as Alabama was facing Tennessee in that offense, giving up big play after big play. But I think we'll learn more about this offense at, or this defense as the season goes along. But I will say, Joey, their offense is much better um, when they when they get a little bit healthier at receiver and that they continue to build and grow. Because Stetson Bennett now has been the guy, and he actually took reps all fall camp and actually took reps this whole season. And I think he's in a better spot, uh, and this offense is in a better spot throughout the season and going through their challenges so maybe you agree with david pollock on that or maybe you don't there's obviously room to have some discussion on that on both sides i do think it's worth taking david very seriously on this and the one thing that david says in that clip that kind of stands out to me is i'm going to paraphrase here because i don't remember the exact words necessarily but he's like we're going to see more of this going forward what david says is i'm noticing a defense right now that's not 
matching what 2021 did in terms of the edge that's playing with not the motivational edge but the competitive edge it's giving Georgia on the field I'm noticing that what David kind of says is this may be foreshadowing what might show up in some of the biggest games that Georgia still yet to play they may not fall flat on their face like Alabama did last Saturday he says but it may still be one of those things where hey if you're used to Georgia being the catalyst that leads UGA to victory it may have to be more of the offense here this season. And as I said before, you can agree with David, you can disagree with David, and if you disagree with David, you may be able to point to tangible reasons why you're right and he's wrong, maybe so. But here's the one thing you can't discount. This is not a new topic for David, and David's still very close to this program. David's obviously still very plugged in college football at large. And what David said on ESPN television this week actually really echoes something that he told us before the year began you've heard me play this clip before but this was when David was on our show back during the summer kind of looking ahead of the Georgia defense and like the one I guess concern he had for it and the one statistical measurement that he gave us to maybe give an example of exactly what what Georgia was going to be let's hear David Pollock back from Dog Nation Daily here this summer this defense is going to be at least 10 points a game worse than it was a year ago Hmm. okay that sounds horrible Brandon that sounds terrible. They'll still be in the top 30 in scoring defenses in the country. Like, they're still going to be really yeah. good, but you're, but you're going from historic good, historic great. Five guys drafted in the first round. That doesn't even count in the Kobe Dean. So, I mean, you're just, you're just talking about you're going from super special to something that's going to be different. But who's your leading stat guy? You got Beal back. You got Noel Smith, who I think is your heartbeat. The best defensive player on that in the, on that on the team is Jalen Carter to me, so he's coming back next year. So you've got a, a lot of pieces to be very successful. Yes, they're going to have to be aggressive. Yes, um, you're going to have to continue to get the quarterback, and that's something that that group I think did prove they could do really, really well at a high level, which which sets you apart from many defenses of Georgia's defensive past. But um, again, they're going to take a significant step back, but they're still going to be really solid. So what David said about this team prior to the season, very consistent with what he said uh, there this week on ESPN. Now, on the one hand, you can listen to David and say, oh, right now they're not trending statistically to give up 10 more points per game than they gave up a year ago. But it's fair to point out, you know, think about the Kent State game. They gave up more points than you're used to seeing them give up. Think about the Missouri game. They gave up more points than you're used to seeing them give up. And what David said this week is that a lot of this kind of looking ahead to what might happen when Georgia faces the very best offense is going to face, whether it be in November, in the SEC championship, or in the college football playoff, can the Georgia defense be as dominant a factor towards leading to a national championship as it was last season? And to kind of put a bow on this topic, at least for now, and then build on it further in a moment. To me, this is not about motivation. This is not about nobody believes in you. Let's go out there and show them. I don't think you can motivate your way to a 2021 defensive performance. I do think it's about pushing the right buttons. And you heard David say it right there. Hey, the pass rush was such a big part of what Georgia did last season. And the pass rush so far has not been a big part of what we've seen there from UGA. David's not the only one that's noticing that. It is, I believe, one of the big steps that Georgia still needs to take towards really being in the best position to possibly repeat as national champions. And can they take that step? We're going to talk about that. But first, let's introduce the show. 
My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and we are glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref. We're available as a podcast, Apple, Spotify, so many different ways to get our show, and we're just really happy to have you with us as a part of all of that. Also appreciate our friends at Kroger being a part of the show today there as well. You know, we love our great sponsors. They help us be on the air here and do great stuff. And uh, Kroger, obviously well-known for all of that there as well. So I want you to check out Kroger because, listen, we're kind of in that lull. My family went and picked out some pumpkins this week and did all that kind of stuff that you got to do this time of year. Getting ready for Halloween and your opportunity to get ready for everything you need for Kroger at Halloween comes up right now there as well so get the candy you need get the decor you need the good news with our friends at kroger it's all 20 percent off here right now so you can get a lot of that from our friends at kroger get great savings and all that too so check out kroger.com slash halloween for more on that that's kroger.com slash halloween for more on that and you can do that here today and of course Kroger's always got great stuff going on there, too, including uh, Kroger Chef Jr., too. A lot of great stuff there. A couple times this month to take advantage of that great opportunity. We're going to make a great uh, food item and have your kids be a part of that food preparation. And for $7 per child, you get a great collection of, you know, things to go along with the cooking experience. You can check more about that online at KrogerChefJr.com. That is KrogerChefJr.com. They got you covered on all of that. All right, so let's keep our conversation going here. And, of course, we're glad to have Kroger here. Let me also say this through there as well. If you're watching a video, you see me wearing the Eddie the Blind Squirrel T-shirt here today. We are fully focused and ready to go on the cocktail party that's coming up really really excited about that next saturday and a lot of our great sort of cocktail party themed attire you're going to see me wearing that and i'd love to see you wearing that too i know uh one of the things a lot of folks have come up to me and said hey b i'm gonna have my lousy stinking gator shirt on when we go to a jacksonville coming up in a couple of weeks and so uh whether it be the eddie the blind squirrel shirt that i'm wearing right now or the uh, lousy stinking gator shirt that you can wear there too if you're watching a video there's a qr code that you can kind of cl- do the you know just take a little picture of that and you you know get the qr code it'll take you right to where you need to go i can't even believe we have that technology but apparently we do or if you're you know kind of listening podcast and you want to uh check this out for yourself if you'll just go to the top of the page there at dognation.com there's the thing you can kind of click into not only do we have the eddie the blind squirrel and the uh, lousy stinking gators but also the original gator hater design the one that uh started all of this so many years ago we've sold so many of for a while it was in the you know the disney vault it was kind of in the dog nation vault the original gator hater design was sort of in the dog nation vault for a while but uh now it's back and you can get that at the dog nation store there too dognation.com use the qr code or you can just go to dognation.store and pick all of that up today there as well so boy so much going on and so happy to have all of you with us for all of that and let's get into now before we get jeff Sintel and talk some uj recruiting let's go around the doghouse here today presented by our friends at berkshire hathaway home services we're glad to welcome them back to the show here today and happy to have them with us as a part of around the doghouse so here's what we're talking about a moment ago so kirk Herbstreit says ah media's helping george nobody's paying attention to uga and that helps george get the edge that he says potential repeat national champions haven't had and what I would say is, is that I think we have a tendency at times to overrate the role that motivation plays in something about this, like like repeating as national champions, that for me, it's more about how you use your players. I think coaches are really good at getting us thinking that somehow the media, either for the good way or the bad way, has some sort of influence on in how the games are played out. To me, that's the silliness of the, of the Nick Saban rat poison statement that started all this years ago. I think coaches want to kind of veer the conversation that direction. I'm not quite so sure that's exactly how it 
actually is. It's more about the decisions you make about how to use players during games. And this is one of the things that down the stretch is going to really matter for Georgia. Can it unleash the talent that it has on defense? And you may say, well, that talent's not the same as it was last year. That was five first-round draft picks last year. That was much more experience. That was whatever. Get all of that. But the talent that Georgia currently has, the talent that Georgia currently has, is still more prodigious than almost any other team in the country. And I can promise you of the 131 teams that play FBS-level football, most of them salivate about the idea of having anywhere close to the same talent that Georgia has defensively. So the big question for Georgia, not just in the game that everybody has circled on November 5th against Tennessee, but the game before that against Florida, everything that comes after that, obviously SEC championship if Georgia's lucky enough to be there and the college football playoff after that. The question is going to be, how do you use the talent that you have? We heard David Pollock a moment ago say that right now he sees a Georgia defense that's significantly worse than the one in 2021. Well, if we just sort of say for the sake of conversation that is true, what could happen here over the season's final five regular season games to change that? Well, one of David's teammates, uh, the great former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards, joined us on Dog Nation Daily yesterday, and he weighed in on that. What he wants to see more of from Georgia down the stretch, Terrence is an offensive guy, but he was pointing his spotlight on the defense. This is Terrence yesterday. My biggest takeaway right now is probably the lack of sacks that we have generated. Uh, I think that is going to be a uh, big thing that uh, the defensive staff uh, should try to fix, and I don't know if that's blitzing more. I don't know if that's – just coming straight from the D-line uh, with E.T. stunts, uh, T.E. stunts, that's crossing the end to tackles and uh, tackles to ends. I like, we're going to have to do something to just generate pressure. Uh, you do not have to blitz all the time to generate play- pressure. So uh, I think Nolan Smith and that group going to have to figure out a way to beat one-on-one coverage, or we figure out a way to make it six-on-six, five-on-five on how many they have protection and make it a one-on-one battle. And somebody has to win that their one-on-one battle. So I just think these next two weeks against quarterbacks that's athletic as the two that we're about to face are, we got to generate pressure. So I think the what Terrence says there is well said, but also true there too. He acknowledges this is a little bit of a complicated topic. You know, you can't just be, hey, send the house and, you know, send as many as you have to to get to the quarterback because Terrence kind of acknowledged with a statement there, there's obviously a price to be paid for being, you know, too reckless during a game. We kind of all understand that. And yet he also kind of acknowledges that, hey, to a certain extent, it's about the result here. It's not so much about the decision you make to get there. It's about finding some way to push the right button so you do get after the quarterback, so you do create some sort of pressure, not just against Hidden Hooker, but as he said, against Anthony Richardson or against Will Rogers or what other, other quarter Will Levis, whatever other quarterbacks that Georgia has remaining on its set, schedule. Terrence Edwards right there says the job of this Georgia defense is to create more consistent pass pressure they have through the first seven games and we said before it's a little bit of a complicated topic and that's something that Kirby Smart was good enough to kind of weigh in on Tuesday night about there too acknowledging that a needs to be better and b the the recipe for how you actually get it better is not always super easy to diagnose this is some pretty candid commentary from Kirby Smart going back to earlier this week on the topic at hand right now yeah, it needs to get better, but we need an opportunity. You know, we, we, we did a real hard study on that and, and did a game-by-game breakdown of snap to throw. And uh, it's faster than it's ever been in one of our 
six or seven game breakdowns before uh, the bye weeks. We've played teams that have gotten rid of the ball really, really quick. I think the Auburn game was the only game that was over three seconds per pass, and I think that factors in the scrambles, you know, where he ran around with the ball and threw them away. So there, it, there hasn't been a lot of opportunities, but that doesn't mean that we can't do a better job. And uh, we've studied that really, really hard uh, in terms of just looking at ourselves. And we're telling them, hey, if it's 2.6 that you got to get there by, then you got to get there by 2.6, or you have to affect the throw. And we've had several really good rushes where we affected throws in terms of bull, uh, batting balls, uh, and I'm saying bullets and bull rush to, to get the quarterback, get somebody in the quarterback's lap to affect his throw. But, you know, tough, tough to be where we are sack-wise and just not getting a lot of opportunities. So I'm not an X and O's expert, don't pretend to be one, but one of the follow-ups I think would have been interesting for Kirby Smart in a situation like that is he talked about the idea of a bull rush, which is essentially just an athlete being better than the guy that's blocking him and just basically running right past him. If you're trying to get to the quarterback and as he says, 2.6 seconds, does that give you enough time for a cross chop or a spin or one of the moves that pass rush specialists like our buddy Chuck Smith would say are really a requisite for being able to get to the quarterback? If they're getting rid of the football that quickly, can you put a, a little more seasoned type pass rush move and still get to the quarterback? I honestly don't know. I'd be curious to hear what smart people you know kind of have to say about that. But one way or another, I do take some comfort in the idea that Georgia is talking about this. Even if the results yet haven't quite been the national championship level of 2021, the idea that Georgia, at least based on what Kirby Smart says there, making it more of a mission to accomplish that in the season that's still yet to come from Georgia, I think that's a good thing. So let me kind of sum up all of this from where we started with Kirk Herbstreit to where we just finished with Kirby Smart there a moment ago. I've told you before, like, I'm not quite so sure that you should bet on Georgia win the national championship right now. Maybe you would think you should. Maybe you would think you shouldn't. But here's what I tell you. You'd be a fool to bet against them. You'd be a fool to say they're not going to win the national championship. I actually feel really good about where Georgia is right now. I think Georgia justifiably ranks as number one in the country. I don't think anybody has a better resume than Georgia does. And Tennessee has the most exciting win against Alabama, but I don't think it's a more impressive win than what Georgia had week one against Oregon. I really, really, really like where Georgia is right now, and I think that Georgia fans should like that too. However, I would also tell you this that Georgia, just like all the other national championship contenders, has areas where it has to improve in order to bring home that trophy here in 2022. It's not about a motivational edge. It's about a competitive edge on the field. Smart coaches dialing up more of the kind of pass pressure that Georgia made as a hallmark of its play in 2021. That's a needed component to beat Florida, to beat Tennessee, to beat Mississippi State, to beat Kentucky, and you better believe all the games that come after that. We'll see in the coming weeks if Georgia can push those buttons, but it's going to be one of the most important topics as we really get into the discussion of go for two in 2022. That's going to be a big part of all of that. And that is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. And listen, a lot of you obviously are facing new beginnings in your life. And our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services believe the best time for new beginnings is right now. What that means is, you know, you have your home that you're living in right now but you think about the the possibility of a new job or getting closer to family or uh, you know you know maybe moving to a kind of a dream location that leaving that house you're in now to go to that new home creates the kind of new beginning you've been dreaming about for a while and Berkshire Hathaway Home Services like legitimately believes the best time to do that is right now and as you make that decision to do so with one of their great agents makes that experience even better I like to think of the folks at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services transaction specials what that means is if you bought a you know 
sold a, a home, you understand this, that just going under contract is like the first step in all of this. But what does it take once the contract is signed to actually get you to the closing table? What does it take at that point in time to kind of get you to a satisfactory outcome? That's what Berkshire Hathaway Home Services knows all about. And it's not just the traditional home buying and uh, you know house selling process. Also, when you start thinking about that commercial uh, experience, maybe you've got a business and it's been operating out of your garage or somewhere in your house, and it's kind of time to take that to the next level with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. They can help you get that storefront, that that commercial property that's going to allow your business to grow and thrive as you believe that it should and has an opportunity to. That commercial investment is that next step towards that. Or, hey, maybe you want to you know get involved in kind of a rental property. Maybe you want to take that step towards getting some investment real estate property. That's what Berkshire Hathaway Home Service can be there for you there as well. So I want you to find them online at bhhsgeorgia.com. they got offices all over. they got agents working hard for you. You're going to be really, really glad to get to know them. Our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Find them online, bhhsgeorgia.com. That's bhhsgeorgia.com. Great to have them as a part of Around the Doghouse with us here today. All right, so before we're done, we'll give you some thoughts on the other games this weekend not involving UGA. That's going to be fun. Great collection of golden shoes. Some of these are really, really funny. We'll look forward to doing that there too. But for now, Georgia possibly on commit watch this weekend and some other big recruiting news. Let's cover all of that as we go on the road with Jeff Sintel, assisted by AAA. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So a lot to get to with Jeff Sintel, including the idea that a, a name of note, a guy that we've talked about in this space before, has now reached decision day coming up on Sunday. Very good-looking defensive back Chris Peel, a guy who has seemingly had a good relationship with Georgia there for a while. Uh, Jeff, are dogs on commitment watch? How closely should Georgia fans uh, be paying attention to the recruiting wire here this weekend? Hey, hey, good uh, morning, Brandon. Hope everybody's doing great today. Well, it's Friday, and on Sunday there's going to be a big decision made by four-star I guess, Brandon, for the sake of simplicity here, because I'm going to just call him a defensive back. I know he wants to play corner. I know he can play a lot of positions. Brandon, he is stupid fast, and I mean that in the most glowing term of the use, stupid. Uh, it's funny, the coach at Providence Day has told me, he used to go, I guess I'll use the word guffaw, or just roll his eyes when somebody talked about, hey, I got a 4-4 kid, I got a 4-3 kid, and, Lo and behold, he was timing Chris Peel with another watch this spring, and both of them had him under 4-3 on their hand time. And then he's got verified low 4-4s on the electronic times. Such a skilled athlete, Brandon, that he's their running back, their factor back, their big play back in Charlotte. And pretty interesting timing here. Providence Day will actually be playing tonight against Raven Gap. Uh, That's a charter, that's a boarding school with a lot of really good players, really good international players usually, um, right outside Raven County. So Chris Peel will be there, the number one uh, tackle, uh, number one overall prospect in the 2025 class. David Sanders Jr. Will be, will be there. That's a player, man, that I could just gush about on another show at another time. And then they also have the five-star quarterback, Jaden Davis, there as well. So a lot of intrigue there. He's deciding on Sunday it's been Brandon, Georgia, and Michigan for the longest time. He's got a Final Four, Brandon, but I don't think he even took an official visit to South Carolina, one of his Final Four. Um, he's one of those guys that was in town that first weekend of June when Georgia had so many impactful visitors, and he loved the visit, loved everything about it, loved Georgia back then. 
but he just wanted to see some more schools, and now it appears he's done his diligence and he's ready to make a decision. I, I thought you gave us some interesting insight on him as a player a moment ago. Tell us a little bit more about if he were to commit to Georgia, how he kind of fits into the overall picture here. So he's rated as a corner, Brandon. He's like top 20 corner, number 184 nationally. And we must, at this moment, at least tip our caps to the great state of North Carolina, Brandon, because that state has been awfully good to Georgia football recruiting of late. Jamal Jarrett, Jordan Davis, Jalen Walker uh, can keep going on and on with a lot of players there in the state of North Carolina. Um, But he's a guy that I think could play a lot of positions. He could be like a star guy early on. He could be a back-end safety. Uh, He could be a corner. Just that speed allows you to do so much, Brandon. And if there's one thing we've noticed now about cornerbacks, especially for Fran Brown, in, the, in his time as a Georgia cornerbacks coach, they better be able to run. They better really be able to run, like to run with the Arian Smiths and the C.J. Smiths of the world. And that's one thing that Chris Peel certainly has. He has foot speed in abundance. Yeah, that's great to hear. It's funny to me, Jeff, you know, there was a, a time going back a few months ago, and obviously this is the kind of thing that um, – you know, it's kind of become a little bit of a meme. Georgia fans kind of joke about this, about the whole what's wrong with Georgia recruiting. But, I mean, I have to admit, a couple of months ago, I kind of wondered, would this class kind of fall together the way that we've kind of come to expect Georgia classes to fall together? Now, the Peel thing's obviously not a done deal. And, you know, these days and age, you have to wait till the final buzzer to kind of count anything. But it is certainly an example of what we've seen kind of play out in recent weeks, which is, you know, Georgia earning some big wins and once again building a class that's going to, you know, by appearances, rival almost anything that Georgia's done in recent seasons that, hey, you know, you're left to wonder, ooh, is Georgia getting enough national championship momentum? Are they navigating NIL or blah, blah, blah? Obviously, Georgia's not getting everybody that wants. And we've, you know, talked about, you know, some of those, you know, battles that have kind of swayed one way or another. But certainly when it comes to producing what is just by almost any objective standard in elite class, whether Peel joins up or not, it sort of seems like Georgia's once again trending in that correct direction. I'll tell you, Brandon, one thing I've got to try to educate folks on now is the old rules of recruiting probably need to kick them to the curb because what was new and familiar and common and you can see a history, well, those really don't apply anymore in this name, image, and likeness model. Um, You know, one of the things yesterday, Brandon, I thought was an impressive, I guess I would call it a demarcation line for Georgia football recruiting was this time exactly a year ago, Michael Williams flipped from USC to Georgia. Now, why am I bringing that up? Because when you look deeper into Georgia's class last year, Brandon, you know how many guys at this time last year, like among the top ten guys in Georgia's class, you know how many of those guys were committed? Like four. Like, like, like four out of the top five were uncommitted. You know, there's Michael Williams, Marvin Jones, Jaheim Singletary, Dalen Everett, Ernest Green, you know, the list goes on and on. Guys like Julian Humphrey, guys like Christian Miller. You know, Brandon, they just wait so much later now. And, and the decisions when everybody sees that great senior film, that's when programs like Georgia either decide we're going to double down, we've been recruiting this guy, we love this guy, or Georgia goes, you know, thought he was a fit, maybe not a fit, let's see if we can find a better fit. And I think that's what recruiting is kind of going to be more like, where everybody thinks this is a nice and tidy class, right? And I think there's – Maybe 19 of, of these 21 commitments right now. Maybe 20 of the 21 commitments that I think will eventually sign with Georgia. But there's about six or seven more names out there that are really big. There's Jordan Big Baby Hall. There's obviously Chris Peel. Everybody's wondering about how real is this with 
Deuce Robinson. Everybody's wondering about, you know, this is a big time right now for Georgia during the off week. You're going to see Georgia's coaches go to see Deuce Robinson. You're going to see Georgia's coaches go to, down to see Damon Wilson um, down there in Venice, Florida. I mean, this is the time. Samuel and Pimba as well. Some big official visits are already lining up for November the 5th as well. I think Davian Hobbs, the guy that also established Tony Brandon, he set his commitment date in November, late November 25th, to honor his family and honor his mother. But he's still got a couple of official visits to take, and he's still got at least that one to Georgia on November the 5th to take. And he's like, I don't know where I'm going, but I know what I'm going to decide. So he's almost kind of bottlenecked some pressure there for him as well. So put a pin in that uh, talk of two big visitors, apparently, or should say uh, visits that Georgia might be taking to see some elite prospects. I do want to come back to that in, in a moment. Before that, to kind of close the book on Peel here, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this necessarily, but the other thing you notice about him, once again, if he were to commit to Georgia, he obviously hasn't yet. He's making his announcement on Sunday, but he checks in according to 24-7 Sports at six feet tall. And what this caused me to think of, Jeff, is think about a guy that just committed to Georgia's Kobe White from Cass, the 2024 prospect. And I'll tell you, and Jeff, I know you've seen Sokovi play there as well. I think Sokovi, in addition to being a really good wide receiver, is also a really good defensive back, too. And part of me, when he commits to Georgia, just kind of wonder, well, you know, could Scovey be a defensive back at Georgia? Because he's made some big plays here in this state as a defensive back. And you wonder that at a level of athleticism, you know, could he be well used on the defensive side of the ball? But Sokovi is five, eight and a half. And right now, you know, like you go to the amusement park, you have to be this tall to ride this ride. It just doesn't seem like Georgia's bringing in those defensive backs right now that aren't that sort of six-feet number. Sokovia's a great athlete, but at, at that sort of height that he is now, that's probably more of a slot receiver in a Georgia program than a defensive back because Georgia wants those big, long bodies like what Keely Ringo is doing, what others are doing. It just seems like right now Georgia has an incredible value placed on overall height and length when it comes to their defensive secondary, and that's kind of what Peel would also bring to the table. Yeah, definitely. You look at A.J. Harris, the, the highest-ranking public commitment right now for Georgia. He's about six one, But then everybody forgets about some of these guys because it's been so long, and it's kind of my job to bring it up. But remember Justin Rett, the guy who official visited way back at G-Day and then committed the day after when he was officially visiting as a public Notre Dame commit? You know, Brandon, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, know this name. Put it, put it underneath your pillow at night for a couple of years at cornerback. But Daniel Harris committed out of Miami. Brandon, he was actually at the Vanderbilt game of all games last week. Um, 6-2, Brandon. Lots of that South Florida speed. So, you know, with all great reference here to Sokovi White, Brandon, that's going to be Todd Munkin's guy. That's a toy for Todd Munkin's offense. You're going to see a lot of that Isaiah McKenzie, Ladd McConkey, maybe some DeAndre Swift yeah. stuff out of Sokovi White because he's so, he's so strong. And he's such an intelligent player that that, let's face it, if you think of Sokovi White as a guy that can play quarterback, cornerback for Georgia, well, there's a lot of guys in Georgia that can do that. There are going to be very few guys on this national championship, number one team in the country roster, that can do the things with the ball in their hands, go up and get the ball, high point the ball, make a guy miss, bull through some guys, have the strength to stop block somebody. Uh, Sokovi Hollywood White, I think, is a name. Like I like I said before, when he committed, and when I wrote all those stories, and I went on those went on all those shows, I think he is going to be one of one at the University of Georgia. Everybody likes these names. I hear you, you know, replicate the vernacular that you know we, people just understand 
player comparisons better when you give him a benchmark, when you give him a parallel with he's a little bit like this guy. Well, really, Sokovi is like the best part of a lot of guys. You can throw a guy like Percy Harvin in there as well. It's just a guy that makes a play with the ball in his hands, some jet sweeps, a lot of exotics right there. Um, I think that's what Sokovi Hollywood White can be. And, you know, with Georgia still looking at the cornerback position, I think they're pretty good at the cornerback position with the names we just mentioned. Um, and the other big name, Brandon, got to make sure we, we go through all these targets because I think there's about six or seven that Georgia's working right now. The other one is obviously Samuel and Pimba supposed to make his official visit for Georgia to the Tennessee game as well. To the Tennessee game as well. I mean, that's a name that you wonder with Wilson. Is it Ohio State? Is it Georgia? And then you've got Pimba there as well. That edge position is one of the big remaining checkboxes that checkboxes Georgia needs for this class. All right, I want to talk about something you wrote this week that got a lot of attention. That's Justice Haynes rock solid Alabama commit we're told but also potentially visiting Georgia for that Tennessee game here coming up and I have a very simple opinion about this Jeff this is what power programs do this is what resourced programs do now that's not an official visit but but still power elite programs use their resources for frivolous things and let's say that Haynes is going to go to Alabama still you still take him on the visit you still let him be on campus because there's never a bad time to do a good thing there's never a wrong time to do the right thing and taking good care of a recruit like this is just sort of the right thing to do even if he does go to Alabama here in this spot because maybe it gives you as the poker players like to say a chip in a chair just like a, like some sort of chance to sort of stay involved in all of this certainly reading your story at dognation.com this week I, I didn't get the impression that some sort of flip was imminent from Haynes uh coming to Georgia even if he visits for the Tennessee game but I say roll out the red carpet let him come anyway because that's what power programs kind of do if a good player wants to show up at your building you open the door and you shake his hand and you welcome him with open arms and to me that's what it appears that georgia might be ready to do with haynes no matter what the outcome ends up being yeah i agree with that brandon it's one of those things where um you call it a flex if you wanted to put your sunglasses on while you make this take or whatever but this is this is pretty simple a I think Justice Haynes really wants to go to Alabama, and he's really comfortable at Alabama, and he thinks Alabama is a great fit for him. Not a fickle young man, not a fickle family at all. But also, B, if you think Georgia's going to do some pretty good things against Tennessee, they're going to put on a good show, they're going to be a good host, that you're going to do something in that performance, in that visit, to enhance your value with Justice Haynes, then you go for it. That's simply what it is. If you can raise your stock with a visit from a player like Justice Haynes, and Brandon, this is a new world. Like I said earlier in the beginning of our beginning of our conversation, you might not just be recruiting for December of 2022. You might be recruiting for July of 2023 or something else like that. In this day and age, in the portal and when things fit, um, you always never reduce the chance to bring in a great player asset like Justice Haynes to the program. Now. A lot of people on Twitter and social media and even on the Dog Nation forum, forum.dognation.com, have gotten and asked me, you know, well, why do you have Justice Haynes there at the expense of someone else? Or are they worried about, like, you know, somebody else, you know, recruiting the players that are already there? Like, like Justice would say, hey, come to Alabama with me to some guys. If you're comfortable in your station about where you are as a program and where you are as a class and with guys looking around or whatever – then you take those risks. Now, do you put Justice Haynes in the front row ahead of Samuel and Pembo on his official visit? No, probably not. But what you do do is you welcome the chance to enhance your value with a player as talented as Justice Haynes. Brandon, I know there's a lot of Georgia 
high school Hall of Fame ceremonies this weekend. There's the game on Friday that uh, you and I will both be at. That's tonight. And then there's the, the great ceremony at the College Football Hall of Fame on Saturday. You look at the career of Justice Haynes, and Brandon, I know a lot of these guys get into the bigger Hall of Fames first before they get into the high school Halls of Fame because that's just the way it works. But the way Justice is rambling through right now, man, very strong chance he ends up as the number two all-time leading rusher in the state of Georgia, and that is a heck of an accomplishment. Very strong accomplishment there. I was looking at some of those stats earlier this week. It is kind of amazing kind of how he's kind of climbing those ranks, statistically speaking, and uh, kind of fun to consider as the history of high school football in Georgia on display this weekend with the inaugural induction ceremony for the uh, Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. Another guy you wrote about this week, Tyler Williams. That's a guy who I think has kind of given Georgia one of its most interesting highlights thus far in the 2023 class because he kind of cited Georgia's own offensive success as a reason for choosing UGA and at the time we talked a lot about that now there's obviously maybe another level of achievement for Georgia unlock when you watch other offenses the way they perform but it sounds like you think Williams has a chance to be one of those guys that leads Georgia in that direction you certainly got a lot of quotes this week from folks who know Williams well who kind of touted him in that regard how excited should Georgia fans be right now about the 2023 wide receiver Tyler Williams a guy that you wrote about this week you know if, Brandon, if somebody's looking for an excuse to just go in their backyard, put a lawn chair out, put some music on, and put something, a, a cold beverage in their hand, they should tailgate for Tyler Williams. I think that guy is special. Um, one of the things that the tailgate for the fact that they have that game-breaker-type receiver in their class. I, you know, I had some folks reach out, and they, they saw what Hyatt did, Jalen Hyatt did against Alabama with four touchdown catches, 200 yards. Um, and they're like, when's Georgia going to do that? When's Georgia going to have a guy like that? And I, my best guess, my best estimation about who that's going to be is I think that's a guy like Tyler Williams, Brandon. I think the people down there know him very well. Um, Brandon, he was a point guard for one of Tracy McGrady's AAU teams and one of his seven on seven, one of his basketball teams coming up, club basketball team. That's the skill set. He can throw the ball 70 yards. He used to be a, a quarterback with accuracy. Um, really, they regard Tyler Williams down there, Brandon. This is some of the more interesting stuff. Not just what his quarterback said about how you better be careful because he might outrun your arm, or not just what his, um, his head coach said about all the right qualities, really smart football player. Um, the things his wide receiver coach said, Brandon, I thought were very fascinating. Number one, he said, we don't really do a lot of positional development here. We run plays. We go over schemes. We go over formations. We don't do a lot of individual player development. That's really hard to do with their structures of their pro, of their practices. So really, they think he's not even at the beginning of his potential, and yet he's six three. He's two hundred five pounds. Brandon he returns punts and kickoffs. Very rare you see a body that big for an eight A team in Florida. Um, same high school that Arian Smith came out of as well. One of the things, you'll like this, Brandon, I don't even think this showed up in the story, but one of the things that Tyler Williams said was an underrated aspect of his recruitment to Georgia is Tyler knew what Arian Smith looked like when he was in high school. He knew what he looked like when he came back home. He knew what he looked like prior to Brian McClendon getting in Athens. And he has noticed a remarkable improvement and ascension in in Arian Smith's game once he's been working with BMAC. He saw the proof in the pudding there, and that was one another one of the reasons why he feels very comfortable about making the University of Georgia his his football program of choice for his college career. 
just a lot of good stuff about Tyler Williams. It's one of those things where he committed almost a, a month ago, Brandon, but we really need to make sure the volume stays up really high. I mean, this is kind of like choosing between which one of your kids you like the best. But if I had to pick the five most important commitments in this 2023 class, Without a doubt, Tyler Williams has to be in there. All right, Jeff, you dropped a big hint on something there a moment ago, and I want to find out more about that before we're done here. But first, let me remind folks we are on the road. This is to buy AAA with Jeff Sintel here today. And listen, there's a lot of great incentives you get when you get your home insurance through AAA, including claim-free reward. Now, the cool thing about claim-free reward is it's cash back for every year that you remain policy-free. That's a great thing to get through our friends at AAA and a great reason you should think about them when it comes to your home insurance. You think about them for roadside assistance. I use it all the time because I'm driving around high school football tonight, usually college football on Saturday, everything else in between. But I also want you to think about AAA for home insurance there as well and take advantage of that claim-free reward, getting that cash cash back when you go policy uh, claim free on your policy go to aaa.com slash home insurance for more on that that's aaa.com slash home insurance or give them a call 833-718-2075 that's 833-718-2075 make sure you check them out today on all of that all right jeff let's finish with this you dropped a pretty interesting hint there a moment ago there's obviously no football here this weekend giving the georgia coaches maybe a little bit more freedom to be out and about sometimes they're traveling on game weeks anyway but certainly a lot more opportunity for that right now you mentioned you mentioned the nation's number one tight end deuce robinson which is certainly an interesting name to consider you also mentioned the five-star defensive star uh, damon wilson everybody sort of thinks on the internet they kind of know what's going on there they feel like georgia may have gotten money whipped for wilson recently so it sounds like georgia's not giving up that fight and making a big push for another elite tight end how are the georgia coaches planning on using that time this weekend uh, yeah they're going to be uh, plenty everywhere i would even think you know lots of reports are swirling about i would even look for brian mcclendon to be at, at a very important spot the name you're hearing right now a lot brandon is deandre moore georgia's emerging as a contender there's currently committed to louisville out of St. John Bosco, St. John Bosco, the same program where Ernest Green III uh, came out of. Uh, DeAndre Moore is committed to Louisville because we've heard a lot of NIL money droppings there with, with that program. Um, his quarterback is also currently committed to Louisville as well. Um, one of the things you're finding, Brandon, is whatever the, the rampant speculation of these NIL numbers are, they're really not as big in actuality as they're being trumpeted out to be. Um, but, you know, for Georgia to still keep looking at wide receiver, I think Georgia still has an interest in Anthony Evans III, the current Oklahoma commitment, um, potentially adding another wide receiver to their class. What's Georgia going to do at running back? You know, I think maybe the big ones to consider here, Brandon, is, you know, Samuel and Pimba, Damon Wilson, that's the cross-your-fingers type close. You know, this is an off week. I expect Kirby Smart and, and Coach Uzo Deribo, Chadera Uzo Deribe to be down there um, at Venice uh, this weekend on Friday to check in on Wilson. Um, you kind of hear, you know, James Smith and Quay Rusal kind of drifting away from Georgia. Uh, but at the same time, I might expect both of those guys to be back in Athens for the Georgia-Tennessee game as well. Um, huge list forming there. You're even going to have guys like Jordan Big Baby Hall that will be at the Georgia-Florida game because – Hey, you remember? You can have tickets there. You can, you can distribute tickets there. And that's actually a game in Jordan's backyard, one of the biggest remaining pieces for the Georgia potential defensive line haul in 2023. Just a lot going on. I mean, I think one of the things that um, maybe thinners a lot of the attention right now is 
I think the commitment of Ryan Puglisi um, last Sunday um, kind of couches a lot of that talk about what Georgia might do at quarterback in this class or whether they would go after uh, you know a graduate transfer, something like that. Um, I think with Puglisi, who's still just 16, Brandon, you and I cover a lot of quarterbacks that are really good, but they're also maybe a year uh, playing at a grade level below their actual below their actual age. A lot of quarterbacks get redshirted a lot. A lot of quarterbacks get held back a lot for academic, uh, you know, basically social reasons, whatever you want to say. Puglisi is a true 16-year-old, man. He should be a junior in high school. Uh, he just got – we're going to start calling it the, the monkey bump or the dog bump or whatever, but uh, we saw that Puglisi's uh, ratings quickly uh, ascended from three-star status to where I think on three has him as the number three quarterback in the country and number 39 overall. Uh, for the 2024 class. And, Brandon, here's a – never would have thought that. The entire 2024 recruiting class for Georgia at this time, publicly, is all on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't know if we've, we've ever been able to say that for a while once a class got about five or six names deep. Uh, yeah, that's certainly very interesting to consider, Jeff. Very good stuff all across the board on what is – a fascinating close this 2023 class a lot of effort taken towards that this weekend of course as you said a gigantic date a couple of weeks from now when some major recruiting targets are expected to be in athens we'll look forward to reading you on all of that we'll see you tonight for high school football our hall of fame game at brookwood between grayson and brookwood of course saturday for the induction ceremony for the inaugural class of the georgia high school football hall of fame and then again back here dog nation daily and on the road assisted by AAA next week jeff we'll look forward to talking to you then yeah, big weekend. Don't forget, commitment watch on Sunday as well. Lots to keep our eyes on. Thank you, Jeff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, good stuff from Jeff Sintel. We appreciate him going on the road. We might can bring that down just another tiny little bit. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Uh, the band playing a little loud today. <laughs> They're extra fired up here going into an off week there on Saturday. Uh, But good stuff with Jeff. Glad to get that recruiting information. As he said, you're watching closely for Chris Peel on Sunday, and you are listening closely for the chatter of, hey, Georgia's still fighting hard for Damon Wilson. Georgia trying to just talk about greed. Can you imagine adding Deuce Robinson as a tight end to what Georgia already has? Committed for the class of 2024 tight end on the roster right now at tight end. Uh, Todd Hartley more than earning that paycheck right now. And uh, going out there, apparently, as Jeff said, taking that big visit here, an example of that too. And also some interesting uh, late chatter kind of emerging on Brian McClendon there as well. So really good recruiting intel. Jeff Sintel provides it, and we're happy to have it. Now, before we give you some thoughts here around the SEC, let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And we had one of our commenters on our uh, Dog Nation homepage a little earlier talk about how excited he was about to be on Independence of the Seas coming up in April for our second-ever Dog Nation cruise, and I'm excited about that. I love hearing all the uh, momentum, the enthusiasm kind of building for this. I was also kind of excited about something else. So Royal Caribbean's got a brand-new ship they're going to be uh, unveiling here really soon. going to be sailing, I think it's early 2024 on this, and they've kind of dropped some new information. It's Icon of the Seas. I like this kind of stuff. When Royal Caribbean unveils a new ship, it's always amazing to see just the awesome new amenities they're putting on board, and Icon's going to be unlike anything you've ever seen before, even more kind of a water slide presence. You know, one of the things that uh, I think is really fun about the Royal Caribbean cruise ships is kind of like the stuff you can do on board that really comes at no additional charge, and like Royal Caribbean ships have had water slides now for a while, and it seems like the water slide technology keeps getting better and better. But y'all, you're going to see the um, what is basically like a full-on water park 
onboard icon of the seas. That's the new ship getting ready to set sail. So not only do you visit places like Perfect Day, Coco Cay, they have the tallest water slide in North America, but you essentially have a water park uh, on board your ship that comes at no additional charge. So it's one of the reasons why if I get some time away, if I get a little downtime at work, I'm thinking about uh, whether it be a quick getaway like we're going to be doing on Independence of the Seas or whether it be one of those longer seven night type voyages that you do on uh, you know, uh, one of the uh, Oasis class ships or coming up pretty soon on a ship like Icon of the Seas, you know, getting away for a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, always the right decision. And especially true coming up in April, we are on uh, Independence of the Seas for our second ever Dog Nation cruise. Our good friend Jessica Slater, a travel agent specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean and help you out that. She's got a website that she's made, royaldogs.com. You can find out more information about the Dog Nation cruise. That is royaldogs.com. You can also give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. And you can find out about all the really great stuff that's going to be going down on our second ever Dog Nation cruise. It's going to be great. Can't wait to see you there for it. All right, so on Friday, it's kind of become a little bit of our tradition to give you some thoughts here on the big games of the weekend. Of course, there is no Georgia game on that this week, so I'll kind of bounce through some of these others here. A lot of eyes on Alabama right now as a 21-point favorite hosting Mississippi State on Saturday. Here's a number that I think you'll find interesting. Alabama hasn't lost very many games, of course, but in the last seven games for Nick Saban at Alabama coming off a loss, probably not surprised to find out Alabama undefeated when facing a loss in the next game they've won those games by an average of more than 30 points they've covered the spread in those games by an average of more than two touchdowns so when alabama has lost they have come back strong the following game ironically in recent years a couple of those losses also meant a game to follow against mississippi state that was true last year in the game right after losing to texas a&m that was true in 2019 in the game right after losing to lsu mississippi state was the very next opponent total blowout city that doesn't necessarily mean anything but it's just kind of a cool trivia fact as you see the uh, crimson tide playing the bulldogs there on saturday i see no reason to expect anything different than this i like an easy alabama win there on saturday i'll take a minus the 21 points fun rivalry in the sec not a great slate of games this weekend uh, i'll acknowledge that but i do think the magnolia bowl with Ole miss going to lsu is probably pretty interesting and total confession here when we first unveiled this point spread earlier this week, I was a little bit surprised. I expected Ole Miss to be a slight favorite on the road at LSU, but actually it was LSU that was the slight favorite. When we first introduced this game, it was about a point and a half. It has since climbed at our friends at MyBookie up to two points. So LSU fresh off a win last week at Florida, coming back home. Jaden Daniels playing better, probably his best game of the season last week against the Gators. All of a sudden, LSU now favored over Ole Miss. And here's my question. I'm going to make this kind of quick. At one point in time, Lane Kiffin was a rising star in the coaching ranks. You've heard me say this before. You know, Raiders coach, then became the Tennessee coach. Then after one year there, he's the USC coach. This looked like one of the hottest names in coaching. But somewhere since then, kind of become a little bit of a butt of jokes, kind of become a little bit of a punchline, kind of become a little bit of a social media caricature. And yet his Ole Miss teams are really playing very well. Is Lane Kiffin a serious football coach? Is Lane Kiffin a serious leader of men? Well, if he is, he takes the Rebels into Baton Rouge on Saturday and beats what I think is still a pretty average LSU team. This is not quite the kind of Brian Kelly coach teams we're used to seeing, nor is it kind of the LSU teams we're used to seeing. This is still a pretty flawed bunch there whose level of focus, I think, can be questioned and just overall level of skill can be questioned as well. 
Uh, this is the kind of game that a team that's serious about itself, a coach that's serious about his future, you win this, you preserve the chance to be undefeated playing Alabama coming up in a couple of weeks' time. So we'll learn a lot about Lane Kiffin there on Saturday. I'll take a flyer here on the Rebels. I'll also say this really quickly. Look at Texas A&M going to South Carolina. South Carolina is a three-point underdog with our friends at MyBookie. And everything about Texas A&M with your eye test, the things your eyes have seen, would tell you this has been an incredibly disappointing team, not just this year, but over the course of the last couple of years. But the truth is, some of the gambling trends actually suggest something a little bit different than you might imagine. They're 6-3 and three against the spread in their last nine against SEC foes, and also 6-3 and three against the spread in their last nine away from College Station. They're on the road and SEC player on Saturday. The trends would suggest they're a good bet minus the three points, and I believe that's actually probably the right side here. Clearly, they got upset by Appalachian State. They've also played an incredibly tough stretch of schedule, but it does kind of ease up here. You got this game against South Carolina, you got Florida coming to College Station in a couple of weeks. I believe that you may see over the course of the next few weeks, Texas AM take some steps to pad its record a bit. And that by the time this season ends, in a roundabout way, AM might actually be kind of where you thought they were supposed to be, or at least where most folks thought they were supposed to be at the end of the year. Remember, the over-under for A&M at the beginning of the year was only around 8 or 9, depending on where you saw it. They had the very high preseason ranking, but the polls were far out of step with the gambling market. The truth is, from a gambling standpoint, A&M is actually kind of trending okay to sort of end up where a lot of folks thought they would be. So uh, keep that in mind as they play as a slight favorite on the road at South Carolina on Saturday. Then very quickly, when it comes to games outside the SEC, Clemson's about a two-touchdown favorite hosting Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse got bowl eligible last week. I think there's actually a little bit of a chance there may be an emotional letdown for them because that they knew their early season slate was going to be important. You got tough games coming the rest of the way. Uh, this is only the second true road game that Syracuse has played all year. The first one came at UConn, so they haven't experienced the likes of what they're going to experience Saturday night in Death Valley. Clemson's not been good at home, just three and six against the spread. They're at Death Valley dating back to the start of the 2021 season. But this, to me, more about a Syracuse team that's probably seen the clock strike midnight of what has been a Cinderella season up to this point in time. I think they've got more losses coming. In fact, it's not inconceivable they could lose out. I think that's a possibility, and certainly I expect them to lose on Saturday to Clemson. And as we mentioned on one of our shows earlier this week, with so few big national marquee games, a little bit more eyeballs on Clemson here this week and a chance for them to demonstrate whether or not they truly are a, a national-level contender. I think that's worth watching. And then I'll just very briefly say this. Another team that is actually stepping out into road play in a very hostile way for the first time this season is UCLA. They are undefeated, but their only road game prior to Saturday was at Colorado. Colorado, probably one of the five worst teams in the country, in hostile territory with Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks. That's a pretty fun game in the Pac-12. I'll take a flyer here on Oregon, minus the six points. That's not a strong play for me, but it's you know the pick that I'm making. But kind of an interesting measuring stick game in the Pac-12 and similar stuff going on in the uh, Big 12 where TCU is right. Max Dugan, a quarterback playing very well, kind of undefeated mark there, too. They have played tough games now several consecutive weeks. Another one of those against a ranked Kansas State team on Saturday. I think if TCU wins this, I think you have to assume that at least for right now, they're as for real as you possibly could be coming out of the Big 12. They would have had a pretty difficult stretch they would have handled. 
This is also maybe the moment in which some of that kind of runs out on them. I think it's expected to be very windy this weekend for that game, and that sometimes leads to poor quarterback play, which could hurt Dugan. And frankly, this is a Kansas State team that may be better than you realize. So those are kind of the look at some of the games here for this week. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And by the way, speaking of point spreads and making picks and things like that, many of you better at doing that than I am. And if you are, well, it's time for you to show us all how good you are and put your money where your mouth is with our friends at my bookie listen it's winning season at my bookie so when you open up your account right there part of the way in which this works out you're going to be a winner literally before you even place your first bet because when you open up account you put in four hundred dollars five hundred dollars whatever you put in up to a thousand bucks my bookie is going to double that deposit for you so that means you put in 500 they'll put in 500 you get a thousand dollars right away to play with with our friends at my bookie then after that it could not be more simple you play you win you get paid whether it's college games on saturday the pros on sunday the baseball playoffs whether it be future stuff thinking about who's gonna win championships things like that over unders uh, a great way to get involved uh our friends at my bookie have it all for you so use the promo code dog nation it's all one word spelled the way it's supposed to be d-a-w-g use the promo code dog nation get signed up with our friends at my bookie and after that you play you win you get paid Bet on anything, anywhere, anytime with our friends at MyBookie. Simply type it into your browser. Internet does the work for you. And when you use the promo code DOGNATION, you take advantage of the big deposit bonus. Now, there is no football here this weekend for UGA, but there is still plenty of weekend fun. In fact, many of you kind of getting away for the weekend. That's kind of the sort of the theme, I guess, of our big finish this weekend presented by the Finish Long Drink. I want to show you this. This is kind of a blast from the past. Our buddy Mad Dog sent this to us uh, not too long ago. He's enjoying that four-day weekend at the beach. This is going back uh, a little while earlier. Drinking a long drink and listening to the Dog Nation Debbie podcast. Well, first of all, Mike Mad Dog, we appreciate you doing that. We also appreciate all your great golden shoe submissions over the years. And boy, doesn't that look great? Nice, beautiful waters. Tranquil, I believe is the word you'd use there. The uh, the, the perfect white sand. Sure white sand and the uh, long drink cranberry right there in mr mad dog's hand so i hope your weekend finds you just as happy as mike the mad dog was back in june when he was enjoying all of that and it can be with our friends at the finished long drink so make sure you check them out online at the long drink.com whether it be the uh, cranberry which mike was enjoying the long drink strong that's eight and a half percent alcohol by volume long drink zero that's no carbs no sugar or the traditional and the blue can with the uh, gin kick the citrus flavor that's probably my favorite version of the finished long drink and whichever version you think you would like i believe you probably would so find them online at the long for more on that you can find out whether it be a golf course or a beverage store or a restaurant or a bar somewhere near you that has it just put in your zip code and they'll help you figure it out go to the longdrink.com for a lot more on that today all right we got a little bit of a collection of golden shoes to give out to wrap up our show so we'll kind of run through these uh pretty quickly here let's show the first one here always fun to see georgia fans feeling good about themselves and feeling good about where the dogs stand as you head towards the stretch run of the year and a beautiful edit by our buddy brandon griffin who says if you come at the kings you best not miss national championship trophy and sort of a game of thrones style thrown there and you better believe that georgia sits on top of the college football world and they are not relinquishing that throne anytime soon so brandon griffin well done by you we'll give you a golden shoe for that how about our next one here there as well an oldie but a goodie uh you've seen more excuses coming from alabama here lately so that no excuses wall in their football building once again marked out by uh is that Bojabob? Uh, Bojabob marks, marks that out, and it's some excuses. We've seen this one before, but it's still really, really funny. 
because Alabama's got a litany of them, it would seem. So we'll give Boach Bob a golden shoe there for that. How about our next one there, too? Uh, we got this a couple of times this week. The Great Play on the Jaws. First of all, one of my all-time favorite movies. But The Great Play on the Jaws movie poster with the gator floating in the water. Ugga coming up like the uh, shark, Bruce, just coming up from out of the water, uh, a la Jaws there on that. Thank you to Corey Welch and the dog, Andrew, who sent that to us. We'll give both of you a golden shoe for that classic. And anytime you can kind of tie George into the Jaws theme. I am certainly all on board for that. It's a beautiful, beautiful, well done edit. And our next golden shoe here as well, uh, Chris Godogs8419 also says he finds it funny that Alabama fans are whining about the refs celebrating a Tennessee touchdown. We made fun of that earlier this week. He says this is what America sees, uh, the rest of America sees on a weekly basis, and it's the referee kind of dressed in crimson colors with the Alabama hat on. That's very funny from Chris. We'll give him a golden shoe there as well. And then finally, uh, there is this. Uh, our buddy Philip Thomas sent this to us, and I thought this is uh, really very funny. So he says, I've been traveling in Alabama recently, and I'd like to confirm that the rumors of another Bama rebuilding year are indeed true. And it shows a, him taking a picture of himself in front of a sign that says, another project to rebuild Alabama. It's a roadside sign there talking about rebuilding Alabama. And after the Tennessee game last Saturday, maybe it is indeed another rebuilding year for the Crimson Tide. That's funny stuff from Philip Thomas and very well done a well-deserved golden shoe coming your way of course all of that to be thought about in the future for georgia for now the business at hand are those lousy stinking gators and guess what they have had a long national title drought how about five thousand thirty-four days since they've won anything of note and coming up just eight days from right now georgia back in jacksonville loving the cocktail party having a great time by the way more fun announcements coming up on that here really soon but loving the cocktail party having a great time and beating up on florida eight days from right now that's our gator Hitter countdown y'all enjoy your weekend without the dogs make good use of it we'll see you back here monday for dog nation daily presented by kroger